and welcome to the Game Line, Wales Online's live rugby debate show. My name is Matt Southcombe. I'm delighted to be joined once again by our rugby writer, Ben James, as we discuss all things Lions and touch on a little bit of Wales as well. We'll be discussing the Lions team to face the Sharks, which has been named this morning uh, for their game on Wednesday. We'll also be looking back a little bit at the weekend's action uh, when, of course, the Lions beat the Lions uh, in Johannesburg and Wales beat Canada uh, pretty comprehensively at the Principality Stadium. Uh, but we'll be touching on that a little bit later in the show. This show will also be available as a podcast as well. Uh, go over and search for the Welsh Rugby Podcast wherever you get those. So if you have to dip away uh, from your computer or your device in the next half hour or so, don't worry, you can still catch us a little bit later on. Okay then, Ben, let's just jump into it. Plenty of changes as we expect um, you know, obviously the games are coming thick and fast on the tour, but the headline, I guess, from a Welsh point of view, Josh Navidi and Adam Beard are going to make their debuts um, for the Sharks. Been in camp just over a week. Uh, what do you make of that? I mean, it was always at this point a process of elimination, wasn't it? It was very much a case of who hadn't started was going to get the nod. We knew that uh, Navidi was going to get it because Gatland alluded to it on the weekend. Uh, he basically named his uh, his back row. Um, and it's a it's a very exciting back row. You know, you look at that, Adam, Josh Navidi, Tom Curry, Sam Simmons. I mean, that's that's pretty much a fantasy rugby back row for the last two years, isn't it? I think um, everyone's excited to see how that goes. It's, it's, it's dynamic, pacey, just sort of brings a bit of everything. And I think that's the sort of back row, maybe not that those certain players, but that sort of dynamic that they're going to bring. That's what Gatlin wants on this tour. So be really interesting to see that. And Adam Beard, I mean... He's been brought onto the Lions tour, you know, primarily for his form, and, and his line-out defence is going to be crucial. I don't know how much of his line-out defence we're going to see on Wednesday because I don't think it's going to be. I think it's going to be another sort of mismatch against the Sharks. But you know, hopefully they'll get taken to dark places, as Stuart Hogg sort of alluded to on, on the weekend, and Adam Beard will then get a chance to shine maybe defensively a little bit. Um, but we'll have to wait and see on that front. But it's it's just great to see the pair of them, you know starting for the Lions. Um, Navidi in particular, very unlucky to have missed out on selection in the first place. Um, obviously, Adam Beard was a bit more under the radar, but equally deserving of his place. And, and to sort of see them now starting, it's just absolutely fantastic. Yeah, this, uh, you know, as we said, they obviously joined the tour late and um, only been in camp since, I think it was last Sunday, and they hastily had to shoot up to Edinburgh and, and then head to South Africa with the side. Obviously, I haven't had many training sessions under their belts in, in the grander scheme of things. Are they genuinely playing for spots in the Test Series or or do you think, you know, perhaps they, they, they you know, are probably just going to be used more of a of midweek fodder or, or, or are they actually playing for a, a spot in the big show? Well, I mean, there's not a great deal of midweek um, games to, to be used as fodder, to be honest. I think it's this week and then next week is South Africa A and then the midweek games are done. Um, obviously, they're not the only players to have sort of joined up late, um, you know, because the, the weekend of the, the Edinburgh game when they joined up uh, on the Sunday night, you had sort of extra chief players joining up. So a lot of players have missed those first two weeks in Jersey. So... You know, they're not the only ones playing catch-up. I think Navidi in particular could really be one for a test spot. You know, I think you've done a piece on it. I've made my feelings clear on it sort of since the Six Nations, really, that I think he's just, he's got that test match ability for a Lions. My only concern with him really is 
I'm not sure I see where he might fit into to where Gatlin's going with the back row at the minute. I think his six is going to be a hybrid six, sort of a second row back row. We've seen Laws, we've seen Tyke Byrne play there. I think that's what he wants from his six. Open side then is probably going to be a more traditional open side. You know, we saw Hamish Watson play really well on the weekend. I think Tom Curry will do the same on Wednesday. Navidi's not really a traditional seven. He, he's sort of... I don't, want to, I don't want to call him a six and a half because um, that's a sort of less than endearing term that was sort of used for Chris Robshaw back when England didn't have any open side flankers. But he is he is sort of that, you know, he, he plays really well on the blind side and sort of mixing it between those facets of the game that open sides and blind sides do so well. And, you know, he, he does it excellently. Um, and I think if he does get, he'll get his chances on this tour and I, I think he'll take them and he'll push himself into a test spot. Whether it works exactly for what Gatlin wants, um, I'm not totally sure. But I, I don't see either of these two the fact that they joined up late hindering their test chances as much as sort of just selection in itself hinders it, you know, what, what Gatlin really wants. Yeah, absolutely. I suppose you look at that back row on on uh, Wednesday night and, you know, we've seen a comment coming in here from Heather Greenway. Navidi should have been on the tour in the first place. Obviously, agreeing with you uh, there, Ben. Of course, send your comments in. We'll get around as many as we can. Uh, throughout the course of the show, send any questions that you do have as well. But back to the Lions, Ben. You look at that back row for Wednesday and you think, well, so I wouldn't mind having that back row in it, it come the first test. But then suddenly you're reminded then of how well the likes of you know Hamish Watson, uh, Ty Byrne, obviously in the Japan game, Courtney Laws, suddenly you just think, well, actually, yeah, all, all those other players have done pretty well too, given their opportunities. Just goes to show that the sort of depth of talent at Warren Gatlin's disposal in that back row. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you didn't mention Tulipi Fallot out there. He was fairly quiet on the weekend. I still thought he showed a lot of nice footwork in the tight. I think, you know, every, every most times he carries, he, he does tend to sort of beat the first man in the tight, which is a, a massive skill set that probably gets overlooked a little bit. But yeah, the, the, the back row competition is, is, is something else. Um, you know, I see Andy Powell tweet you just before we came on that, you know, that's, this back row is the test back row. Um, you could easily agree with him, but then, yeah, you, you, as you mentioned, Hamish Watson, you know, he's he's sort of being criticised from pillar to post in certain quarters for for his size or, or lack of it heading to South Africa. But, I mean, probably along with Josh Navidi, I don't think there's a player in test rugby who, who carries for his weight so well. Um, just... You know, he, he, he sort of barrels over people, you know, like a, it's, it's ridiculous just the amount of sort of contact he gets through and, and, and the meters he makes after contact. Um, so, yeah, he, he looks, I don't think there's anyone who's nailed on for a test spot, but he's making it very hard to ignore at the minute. Um, and, yeah, it's just going to be interesting to see how this back row battle sort of plays out over the next two or three weeks. Yeah, I think that, you know, you look at that back row there and, and you just think there's no one, no one there is going to, it's going to let you down and it, you just don't really it's hard to tell where this where these selection decisions are going to be decided isn't it absolutely um you know <laughs> it, it seems obvious saying it given it's a british and irish lion squad but it's such a good squad there is i, I don't know maybe it's the case it's always that but i, I feel like on this tour you, you literally cannot take any position for granted in, in the test team at the minute. Warren Gatman says he's not even thinking about test selections at the minute. And and while normally you'd sort of, as a journalist, you'd sort of think, well, that's just the sort of diplomatic answer. You know, you're 
you probably are thinking of it. You can sort of believe it now because everywhere in that squad, it's all up for grabs and, and nowhere sort of typifies that better than the back row. I mean, I think on on Wednesday, it's going to be fascinating to see how the dynamic works. I think Sam Simmons is just going to have a whale of a time in the wide channels. On Saturday, he came on, he probably tried a little bit too hard to sort of impress himself on the game in the, in the limited time he had. I think Wednesday, he'll hopefully be a bit more relaxed. And, as my phone drops on the floor, uh, he'll be a little bit more relaxed in, in the number eight jersey and he'll play in those wide channels that we've seen sort of Tyke Byrne and Tiprick play in, in the opening games. Um, and then, yeah, Navidi's just going to hit rocks like there's no tomorrow because that's, that's what he does so well. And Tom Curry's going to be an interesting one. He's obviously been built up a lot as a test starter in the English media, but he's he started this tour on the back foot. He's had a pectoral injury, which has kept him out of the first two games and a fair bit of training, um, I think, in terms of Jersey, which he arrived too late, I think a week late anyway. So he's possibly got a bit of catch-up to play. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how he goes. Mm, absolutely. Just moving a little bit further into the back line then. Uh, we've obviously got an all-Welsh half-back pairing of Dan Bigger and Gareth Davis. Now, it's an interesting one here. What are these guys playing for? It kind of feels like they're playing for different things at the moment because, you know, Bigger is kind of almost, you know, very much the, the front runner to start the test series. But after Connor Murray was named as tour captain, it's kind of put Gareth Davis on a little bit of a back foot. What do you think these two are playing for um, on Wednesday night? Um, yeah, as you say, I think Dan Bigger is... He is going to be, I think he'll be the test number 10. Um, I thought Finn Russell played pretty well on, on Saturday. He showed a lot of lovely touches. You know, his kicking game is, is is quite frankly ridiculous at times in terms of the precision he can put on those, you know, weighted kicks out wide. But um, yeah, I just think Dan Big is going to be the man trusted with the 10 jersey. We haven't seen Owen Farrell play much at 10 in terms of starting minutes. We'll probably see that next Saturday. Um, as for Gareth Davis... Obviously, Conor Murray is the tour captain, and you know the, what we infer from that is that he will start the tests. You know that's potentially why Maratoje or Owen Farrell didn't get the, the tour captaincy when Alwyn Jones was ruled out. I'm not sure it's it's that simple. Um, I think Conor Murray's trying to sort of show the facets of his game that has brought him selection on the last two tours. You know, he's trying to snipe a bit more. The box kicking is going to be there, as you'd expect from him. But I don't think he's sort of got his place nailed down yet. Um, you know, the common comms on, on Saturday sort of talked about Gareth Davis, you know, trying to uh, nail down his, his place on the bench. I don't, I don't think Ali Price or Gareth Davis will be thinking they want a spot on the bench. They'll be looking at the test starts. And I, I still think that scrum half is is very open, even if Connor Murray's the tour captain. I, I think it's it's all to play for there. Yeah, absolutely. We we haven't really touched on the the captaincy for for Saturday. Um, sorry, Wednesday. Getting confused. Uh, but obviously, the the Lions have now named their, their third captain in in three different games. It's going to be Ian Henderson uh, this time around. When you look at that starting side, are, are you a little surprised at, at that call? Um, I don't think I am. No, um, you know, Ian Henderson, plenty of experience for Ireland. Probably Ireland's form second row in the Six Nations, which you know says a lot because he was he was partnering Tyke Byrne for much of it, um, and you know he was one hell of a tourist in 2017. Um, 
if you look at that 2017 tour and, and you look at all the players in that squad, the one who was unluckiest to miss out on a test spot, uh, you know, c- across the whole New Zealand tour would have been Ian Henderson. I can't remember, was it the, the midweek game against the Hurricanes in between the first and second tests? Yeah, it was the Hurricanes, yeah. Yeah, my, my memory slightly eludes me because I think I was in a Christchurch bar somewhere, so the teams are a bit fuzzy. <laughs> but um, he, he played outstanding that night. Um, absolutely outstanding. I think he had a yellow card in the second half, which sort of marked his card a little bit, but he was outstanding and, and desperately unlucky for a test ball. So he's been there. He's done done that. He knows what it means to be on a Lions tour. And I think, you know, if you look at that, that, that team, I, I think he's the sensible option for a captaincy. I suppose the only other one you sort of suggest from that 15 would have been damn bigger, but then, you know, Gats doesn't tend to go for backs as his captain. I know that's a bit of a contradiction considering he's named two backs as captains in the last week, but yeah, I, I think Ian Henderson's the, the sensible option. Yeah, I think if you if you look through this side, there's not actually that many candidates as you touched on, and you know, Dan Bigger as captain is probably best not to not to put that on him and and let him concentrate on his job. You know, he doesn't doesn't need any encouragement to to go up to referees. I don't think so. Um, probably best to to leave him concentrate on his uh, duties as fly half. Moving to I suppose on. the thing with the thing with the Lions is you you do tend to see captains. Uh, of midweek games and, and Saturday warm-up games that you would never tend to see sort of because they're, they're not in the pecking order international-wise. You know, 2013, I think Lydia captained the, a game. You know, it's just that sort of thing. You know, you're going to get sort of left-field cap- captaincy choices just because, you know, we're not privy to, to, to what we see in the leadership groups and, and who's sort of making their mark in training away from, you know, their their international teams. Yeah, absolutely. Let's move a little bit further into the back line. And the, the centres are, are interesting. Um, obviously, got Bundyaki coming back in, and you know, obviously played very well against Japan, and and suddenly thrown himself right into the mix um, to to perhaps be a, a test starter when maybe wouldn't have been as such before the tour. Um, partner and Elliot Daly at outside centre, which again is interesting. Not somewhere he's featured too heavily at international level. Um, what are you what are you looking forward to that? And, and I guess is is there talk of an injury to Robbie Henshaw? Yeah, so Robbie Henshaw's got a very very mild hamstring uh, strain, is what's been described as. Um, so they're not looking to rush him back. Um, you know, Gatlin speaks glowingly about Robbie Henshaw. Says he's you know one of the, you know, the outstanding centres in world rugby. So that they don't, they don't want to rush him back too soon. So potentially he could miss. Saturday's game as well. That that's the sort of what it sounds like from Gatland. But um, you know, I think is he should be all right for the for the latter stages of the tour, the test series at least. Um, but this this midfield selection is is interesting. You know, obviously you look at the the 10, 12, 13, it's bigger Aki Daly. I think Charlie Morgan from the Telegraph pointed out um on Twitter across the, the first two games already, they've they've ran with five different combinations across 10, 12, 13, this will be the sixth. So, you know, Gatlin's doing a very good job of basically making the South Africans guess what's coming in that midfield. Um, you know, South Africa have been very, very good at defending the 13 channel in the past couple of years. Um, so I think Gatlin's keeping his options open as to how he's going to attack and, and, and what he's going to do, whether it's 10, 12 axis or 
going for a bigger sort of midfield or or having Elliot Daly at 13, which as you mentioned, it's it's a long, long time since he's played there in international tests. I think 2016 against South Africa was the last time he wore 13 for England, but he looked really classy when he came on. I think it's his best position. Um, Eddie Jones clearly disagrees, but I think as we're seeing from this Lions tour, I don't think Warren Gatland minds too much about what Eddie Jones thinks, given Sam Simmons starting at eight. Um, but yeah, he looked really lively when he came on at 13 um, on the weekend. He, he's looked really good, albeit in the championship for Saracens in that position at, at the tail end of the season. I think it just allows him to, to sort of get in the game and, you know, make breaks, use his handling skills skills through the contact. We saw that for Gav Davis's try. And it'll be interesting to see how that, um, how that midfield goes because... You know, you can say it about every midfield that's been named, but it it it, it looks really promising. Yeah, it's got a comment coming in from uh, Periscope. Yeah, Daly was great at thirteen on Saturday. I suppose for, for everything that you've just touched on, Ben, a lot of which I, I would agree with. It, the only question marks will be raised over his physicality against the Springboks. Can he live with that uh, coming down his channel? I mean, yeah, that's that's a very good point. Um, which again, you know, that could sort of move the Lions away from a 10-12 axis as well if they're going to sort of play a playmaker at 12. That could put them off that as well. Um, you know, you'd back Henshaw to, to live with physicality at 13. Daly maybe less so. Although, you know, he's been playing 15 for England for the best part of three, four years now. So, he, you know, he's had to deal with a fair bit of rearguard action there. Obviously, it's different defending the 13 channel, but I don't think he's a particular weakness. Um it, it could depend on the wing choices. You know, we, we've seen that Duan van der Merwe tends to leave a little bit too much space on his edge. Uh, we saw that against Japan. If you've got someone like Daly defending the 13 channel, does that sort of highlight that sort of weakness? You know, if it's Chris Harris, who's a very good defender of the 13 channel, maybe you, you get away with that a bit more and you can you can afford to play around someone like Duan van der Merwe's defensive weaknesses. But again, this is... This is all stuff that we're going to explore in the, in, in the coming weeks. Yeah, and just uh, looking at fullback then, obviously Liam Williams is starting uh, on Wednesday night. Stuart Hogg did very well, captain the side on Saturday. Um, obviously, the you know everyone's talking about the way he tracked back to prevent that try. Um, you know, it, I guess as Hogg sort of pushed forward now as the front runner for that fullback jersey, and and, and you know how far away is. Uh, Liam Williams from from you know staking a claim to it. I think it's fairly even at the minute. I think maybe Hogg's just a slight favourite given given what he was sort of his Six Nations form and, and and the fact he was captain on Saturday and and just just how he's seen as sort of perceived um, outside the Wales and, and and across the UK. But I think it's going to be a this is going to be a fascinating battle. There's for me. There's only. I don't think Anthony Watson's going to get too much minutes at 15. Um, so it's going to be a, sort of just a, a ding-dong battle between Liam Williams and Stuart Hogg. Probably the pair of them just sort of trying to one-up each other uh, game after game. And, you know, it's it's only going to be good for the Lions. I thought Liam was really good against Japan. Um, did everything sort of really well. And I, 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 just, I still think he, 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 he'll... He'll nab himself a test spot one way or another. Uh, Gatlin knows him. Gatlin trusts him. Did it four years ago. Um, and yeah, I, I, I just got a feeling he's going to nab a test spot. Whether that's 
fullback or whether that's on the wing, whether he gets a chance on the wing in these warm-ups. We'll just have to wait and see. Is there a is there a danger though with you know with how close that call is becoming um, that that Liam Williams perhaps can't resist the temptation to overplay a little bit and and try a little bit too much? Is that the is that the sort of thing to be wary of if you're Liam Williams? Um, yeah, possibly. Um, I think. In the past, maybe you could accuse Liam Williams of that. I think we've probably seen over the last oh, four years, maybe I think he's matured into a, into a really good test fullback, you know. And I, I don't think it's it's going to be too much of an issue that he that he overplays. Um, I think being a Saracen's probably helped him in terms of that, in terms of just, you know, Understanding sort of what, what what you need to do for the team, and 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 now he's he's just a really smart player. You know, I don't think he dies on the ball as much as he did. He picks really good lines. He, he generates lines from standing starts, probably better than any any player in Test rugby at the minute. The way he can just sort of change his angle at the last minute, take himself away from the tackler, and open up space for someone outside him. That's that's a skill that you know that the Lions will probably f- sort of to look to use at some point during this tour. And I, I think he'll. I don't think he'll overplay. All right, then let's look at the the tour in a, a wider sense at the moment. Then after the game on Saturday, where do you think they are in their journey, if you like, on this tour? What what really impressed you about what they did on Saturday against the uh, Sigma Lions? Um, it's it's hard to know how much to read into the uh, into the game against the Sigma Lions because they they weren't the the, the strongest of challenges. Um, I thought the start was they made a really good start, which surprised me. I thought it might have taken them, you know, Jason Leonard spoke about it before kickoff. It might take them 10, 15 minutes to sort of get used to sort of altitude, but they, they started, you know, out the blocks fantastically. The, the, the try for Lewis Reece Samet was exactly what you wanted to see from this Lions team, uh, you know, fly half playing flat picking the wide option of a pod of three and then that forward getting his hands free to give it out to a sort of second playmaker out the back. And then, you know, you create a two-on-two. Chris Harris having the smarts to to not die with the ball, to put a kick behind and then re-stammer to freak. And he, he, you know, he turns 50-50 chances in, into to certainties with kicks like that. But all of that was basically from the building blocks that we saw against Japan in terms of how they're going to attack with their... One three three one sort of pod formation, um, so that was pleasing to see. I just think the the intensity they brought to, to, to the most of the match um, was pleasing. You know, Hamish Watson, I've mentioned it before, the way he carries, but he was outstanding. Courtney Laws carried really well. Mara Toje didn't lead the tackle this, but I think you know no one made more dominant tackles than him. He's a just an absolute nuisance. You know, especially around the line out in terms of his more work, in terms of getting up there is, you know, just so hard to stop scrum halves, opposition scrum halves. He just harries them and frustrates them. And, you know, if you think in a couple of weeks, we're going to, going to be going to be going up against Faf de Klerk. Um, the one thing you want to do is, is harry him and frustrate him. Uh, but yeah, I, I think Gatlin will be pleased with most things. I thought they defended well in that, period of pressure where the Lions had a lot of one-up phases. Scramble defence probably left a little bit to be desired on, on the first try. And 
you know, that, that was an issue. And I, I don't think the line out more we got to see enough of. They'll be disappointed where they set one up uh, very late on and, and, and didn't take advantage of it. But that's, I think that's something that we'll see sort of as the tour progresses. But it, it'll be a weapon they'll, they'll want to develop against South Africa. Where do you think Warren Gatland will be in terms of, uh, you know, his happiness with how things have gone so far? If you were going to rate it out at 10, how satisfied do you think he'll be with the way things are progressing at the moment? Um, I think he'd be pretty happy. At the end of the day, you can only sort of beat the opposition that's in that's in front of you. You know, Japan provided us with a bit of a test, not too much, but they were good in parts, especially the way they finished the game. But the Lions were convincing winners there, obviously. The Sigma Lions, less so a challenge, but, you know, they the Lions did what they had to, um, you know, and racked up the points. I don't see the Sharks offering much of a challenge. I don't see any of the sort of the, the warm-up games really offering a, a challenge. And, and that's something that Warren Gatlin's spoken about. You know, he, he was on the tour uh, as an assistant to Surya McGeekin in 2009. They felt then that they went into the test series against South Africa sort of undercooked because of the warm-up games. So I think Gatlin this time is very aware that whatever happens in the warm-ups, they need to do a lot of work and training and, and away from those games to make sure that doesn't happen again. Mm. Right, and just in a, on a similar theme then, before we move on to uh, just briefly discussing uh, Wales's win over Canada, what, what are we expecting from the Lions on Wednesday night then? Because, I mean, am I, am I being harsh to say that this is probably the... Don't use the word weaker because it's not a weak side, but it look it's got a you know if you look at the three teams that the Lions have named so far, it's probably not as strong as the other two. Um, possibly not, but then I think the Sharks are. I think the Sigma Lions were the weakest team the Shark, the Lions will play on this tour, but I, I think the Sharks are going to struggle as well. You know, their coach has sort of come out this morning after naming the team and spoken about the fact that the many of their players lack international experience. And when he says international experience, he's not just talking about tests, he's talking about super rugby. You know, I think they played a couple of Curry Cup games. Um, so it's, it's going to be a big challenge for them. Um, in terms of sort of players you'd recognise, um, Kerwin Bosch is the one that stands out. He's got two caps for South Africa, but the last of those, I'm sure you'll remember, Matt, was in Washington against Wales <laughs> back in 2018. Yeah, feels like a um, lifetime ago. It does. So... It's going to be a challenge for the Sharks. Um, so, yeah, you, you can only sort of see another relatively convincing win for the Lions. Yeah, it's, it's important, though, that I think that Dan Bigger shows up well. He'll do his test credentials absolutely the world of good. If, if Because the pressure's on now, this side, isn't it? They, they've had two convincing wins. You don't want to be that side that, that lets the, the good feeling slip on tour almost. Yeah, I think that's... Almost rather than the opposition, that's probably the thing that helps drive a Lions tour on is 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 sort of backing up the last performance. Gatlin's spoken about it a lot. The responsibility the players have to to follow up follow up what the you know the, the last team have just done. So I think that's as as big a driving force on this tour as any. Just keeping momentum going and, and sort of not being the one to let down the jersey. Mm, absolutely all right I'm going to throw to you now Ben because while you were covering the Lions on Saturday I was covering <laughs> Wales against Canada and we're going to discuss that and you're going to become the uh, the host for the next sort of gladly. last five, five minutes of the show gladly I mean yeah and you had you had the privilege of being in the stadium um mm. whereas whereas I'm clearly not in Johannesburg uh, 
I'm actually self-isolating thanks to the track and trace app, but that's neither here nor there. But um, yeah. you were you were in the stadium for a very one-sided test match. Obviously, there's only one place to start. It was Lee Halfpenny's 100th cap. Um, you know, what was built to be a fantastic occasion for him, but it ended all too quickly and, and, and all too desperately sad, didn't it? Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, it was very difficult to watch. I'll be honest. Um, you know, I've, I've interviewed Halfpenny a number of times in the last few years, and unfortunately, we always seem to talk about injuries. You know, he had a really bad uh, concussion uh, in two thousand and eighteen, I think, um, against Australia that kept him out for three months. Uh, he had to battle back hard from that. Uh, but he spoke before uh, his hundredth test. Uh, we spoke to him on Thursday. And he spoke about how the last time he did his ACL before the 2015 uh, Rugby World Cup being the most difficult time of his career. Um, and we don't know what he's done uh, at this stage. He'll be having scans probably today, I would have thought. Uh, but it very much looked like an ACL or at the very least knee ligaments. Uh, you know, you hope it's not that bad. Um, but yeah, it was just desperately sad. You know, he was clearly in a lot of pain. 30 seconds into the, the match, you know, like you said, his 100th test, took a clearance kick, tried to run it back, stepped off his left leg and was just in agony straight away. Um, you know, desperately sad for him. You know, Wayne Pivak said after the game that he's spoken to him and he's determined to come back. You know, he's 32 years of age, but, you know, he's yes, he's got his 100th test match, but I think he's three or four short of 100 test matches for Wales. So he's desperate to, to get that 100th Welsh cap. Um, so, you know, you, you hope that it's not bad, as bad as it looks. And, you know, you, you just wish him all the best in his recovery and hope that he can um, can come back and get that 100th Welsh cap. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it just, because it just, it just sort of sapped all, all of the, all the, all the good feelings of, you know, being back in the stadium with fans and all, all that, just, just out of the occasion, didn't it, to happen so early and, and sort of the six, seven minute delay. But, I mean, credit credit to the Welsh players. They obviously conceded early after that, but they put all that behind them and 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 put in a convincing performance, albeit against you know a very limited Canada team. Who who are the new faces that um, that, that stood out for you? Because obviously there was a fair few new caps. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, it became a bit of a training session in the end. But I mean, you know, the, the two new caps to start, uh, Ben Carter and Tom Rogers, both did fantastically well. I thought, um, you know, Ben Carter, young lad, first cap, and I think it was the first time he's played a professional game in front of his parents, um, which is a an interesting one for him. Um, but yeah, he was given the the added responsibility of calling the lineouts. Um, Wayne Pivak spoke in the week that they wanted, oh, sorry, spoke after the game that they wanted to put a bit of pressure on him, see how he responded to that, and all that added responsibility. And he did did extremely well. Got man of the match. I think Wales won something like fourteen, sorry, uh, something like twelve out of fourteen lineouts. So you know, those figures are comparable with you know Wales when they're at full strength. So. I think he's done very well there. I think Wayne Pivak will be thrilled with how his debut went. Um, and he'll just hope to see him continue. Now, I, you know, if I was Pivak, I'd be giving him a run of games uh, for the rest of the summer just to keep him involved and get him up to grips, because up to speed, sorry, because I think he could quite quickly become a very, very good player for Wales You know, at the top level. So, 
I'd be giving him all the exposure possible. Tom Rogers was good, enthusiastic, uh, buzzing around the place. Um, you know, he was coming off his wing a lot, looking for the ball. Clearly, sensed that there were opportunities to score tries out there, and he was he was going looking for them. Um, you know, a little bit suspect, perhaps sometimes defensively and maybe positionally. Um, you know, got a little bit too casual going back after Canada kicked the ball in behind and the Canadian winger almost made him look a little bit silly and almost scored, but got away with that one. Pivak called it a mixed bag for Rogers, but I think it was a, you know, his debut's go, it was a good one. And then the, coming off the bench, obviously, Tane Basham getting two tries. <laughs> um, he was he was buzzing around everywhere. Very good player, as we all know, and, you know, would have probably had a debut a little bit sooner had had injuries not got in the way. Uh, ben Thomas was good when he came on at fly half. Uh, obviously, he's you know, seen as a bit of a playmaker who can cover across the midfield, the centre and fly half. Thought he did particularly well. Kicked his goals well and took it to the line, challenged Canada. Um, you know, again, we've got to take into consideration the, the opposition here, but you know, all told, uh, I thought it was a a very you know good afternoon for Wales in general. Just unfortunately overshadowed by that injury to Lee Halfpenny. Absolutely. Um, what what about sort of maybe some of the more established players who might have stolen a march on those away with the Lions? Was there anyone who did their credentials sort of no harm when when the autumn comes knocking? Yeah. Well, I mean. You know, you don't you don't wish it on anyone. But if a scrum half gets injured on the tour, then Thomas Williams will be on the next flight out. I don't think there's any question about that. He was fantastic uh, on Saturday. He was everything that you know we know he is, and he was at his best. The, you know, the, we've spoken about it before. The fact that he you know loved his basketball growing up, and just is just with the ball in hand. You know, he handles the ball like a Fijian sometimes. Like you know, you know, like we see with. Nakarawa, for example, just on one hand waving it around in the contact area, but he's obviously like you know, f- you know, five foot nothing, and you know the, the smallest guy on the field, but he's like waving the ball in contact and throwing offloads, and you know, it's, it's just unbelievable. You know, he, he, again, you know, it was Canada and there were opportunities out there, but he played very well. Um, I'd be surprised if you know if unfortunately one of the scrum half does go down if he's not the man that, that gets the call up. But you know, I sensed in the Six Nations, and I know we only saw him for a limited time because he unfortunately picked up his injury. But I feel like it's his his number nine jersey to lose with Wales, and I know that sounds strange because Gareth Davis is away. But I really feel like Thomas Williams is, is moving ahead of him slightly in the pecking order, and that's going to be interesting when the autumn comes round to see which way Pivak goes. But he he definitely stood out um, in the absence of the Lions players. And perhaps, you know, while all eyes were on the Lions, he was one that, that stood out. And you know, obviously captain Jonathan Davis as well. Um, you know, I, it, whilst it wasn't a blockbusting performance from him, you know, he did everything well. Um, you know, played a hand in a few of the tries, just a calm... Uh, focused head because you know they were they were surrounded by you know he was surrounded by relatively young players inexperienced and unfamiliar players um he was really the glue that that held it all together um obviously captain on the day and had to read the riot act to the players when discipline sort of fell off a cliff at the end of the match but you know when you lost uh, Adam Beard and Josh Navidi um 
to the Lions and then obviously losing Lee Halfpenny so early on in the match as well. Suddenly there's no um there's not a lot of experience out there with with Davis and and I thought he did fantastically and you know again whilst it perhaps wasn't a blockbusting performance it just shows Warren Gatland that he's ticking over and you know again you don't wish the injuries on anyone but if if something were to happen um I think Jonathan Davis is is just ticking along nicely and showing that you know he would be ready to to step up if if required of course and Moving on from Canada, it's, it's two tests now against Argentina, isn't it? Um, how do we see those going? What sort of challenge do we expect from from Argentina? And, and who are the sort of players you expect to, to get minutes now uh, from from a Welsh perspective? Yeah, well, they're going to be tougher challenges um, than Canada. Obviously, you go from a tier two to a tier one nation, then you know the the, the questions you're asked become a lot harder. Um, that being said, it. If, pretty strong Argentina side, not far off full strength, and only beat Romania something like 24-17 on the weekend, um, which was a surprise. You know, you would have expected a side like Argentina who, you know, have have done tremendous things in the rugby championship in the last 12 months to to go over there and really rack up a score. Um, so, you know, they, they come to Cardiff as a, as a much sterner test than Canada, but you know, I was, you know, I was expecting Wales to be really up against it this summer with, with Argentina, but that that Romania score has kind of just thrown me a little bit. Um, you know, when Wales went out there in 2018, they were they took a relatively second string side out there and won both games comfortably. I think what happened on those occasions was they Wales got in front in the first 15 minutes. You know, there were a few like Reese Patchell penalties and one or two tries and. The game was over within 20 minutes. Um, I think if Wales can manage a similar feat this time around, then we could see similar scores. Uh, but but Argentina are coming over full strength, um, and Wales are playing their second team largely. So it's going to be a it's going to be an interesting one. I, you know, Wayne Pivak has spoken about trying to look at a number of players in a number of different positions and and getting you know five deep in every position looking forward to the world cup so he's obviously willing to sacrifice uh results and performances for the sake of of giving out new caps and and things like that so it'd be interesting to see which way he goes but i think you know again now you've lost lost half penny as i touched on there's not a lot of experience in the side now um when you compare it to what it would look like under normal circumstances so you know, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see whether he his whether he is willing to go fully experimental against Argentina or whether he does go a little bit more cautious and and tries to to get the win. Absolutely, it promises to be another cracking week of rugby, doesn't it? I guess all that's left to decide now is is who signs off the Facebook Live and the podcast. I'll let, I'll let you do this one, Ben, because I know in the coming in the coming weeks and months, I'm going to be uh, hosting these, uh, trying to host this circus while you're in uh, in South Africa. Um, so I'll let you do one last sign off before you uh, jump on your flight in the next well, week. Well, so. fingers fingers crossed, I fly out next week. But um, of course, if you are listening to this on podcast form, do make sure you give us a review. It really does help us out. If you're watching on Facebook, obviously join us again next week when we do another Facebook Live. And for all the latest Welsh rugby news and Lions updates, you can catch it all on Wales Online. <laughs>